Then Jesus took unto him the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. This year we have the curious overlapping of two very different holidays. This coming Sunday, uh, this coming Wednesday is both Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day. Not the feast day of the martyrdom of St. Valentine, that's been transferred to Thursday. Valentine's Day is a sort of cultural observance. It's both confusing and perhaps a bit humorous that the same day which sees an outpouring of exaggerated romantic sentiment in the exchange of ludicrous quantities of chocolate and those little inedible chalk hearts uh, will be the same day that a cross made of black ashes is inscribed into our heads with a stern reminder that we are all going to die. What, we might ask, is one to do with a day that's marked by such contradiction? I once saw a Valentine's Day card clearly aimed at the Christian consumer that quoted today's epistle lesson. Love never fails. Surrounded by little watercolor hearts. At first I thought, well, now here's something perhaps a bit more substantial than the usual fare. So looking inside, I revealed a, an inscription that read something to the effect of, Our love will never end. Happy Valentine's Day. What a shame. <laughs> now, it wasn't the plain gushiness of the card that struck me so much as the notion that the Corinthians definitely heard those words in a very different tongue. Our epistle lesson, the oft-quoted hymn to love, comes as a part of a three-chapter rebuke about the state of the Corinthian church. Their worship had descended into chaos over disorderly attempts of each member to sort of pedestalize their own spiritual gifts as a way of elevating and promoting their status within the group. St. Paul's rebuke reorients this error around a new truth, and that truth is that the unity of the church is superior to individual gifting. By the time we get to the passage that is today's epistle lesson, St. Paul has reached the summit of his admonition in the claim that all knowledge and all wisdom and all service are dead if they lack this vital power, the soul that gives them life. And that soul is the Christian virtue of charity. It is the love of God. The love that God bestows to us as a gift through the Holy Spirit. Charity is the mark of authenticity that's affixed to all true expressions of spiritual gifting. Without it, we are dealing in imitations. St. Paul's song to charity, describing its awesome and flawless perseverance through all things, comes to his audience first as a rebuke because it reveals the poverty of all pretentious loves that seek to imitate it. Charity is the pure, self-giving love that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have for one another. It is the gift of charity 
That is, the triune life that's given to every Christian. And this is why we confess that one of the marks of the church is unity. Unity is the visible sign of this life-giving love that's been given to us. The manner that emerges from this gift is self-giving, a gift of self for the good of the other. The life of the church then becomes an image of the life of God. And by contrast, self-interest obscures that truth, the truth of the life at the heart of the church. It proclaims a message that is completely retrograde to what the church actually is. So when the Corinthians heard, love never fails, it's for them an indictment declaring that their so-called worship has departed from the very principle that gave it meaning in the first place. It's for them a challenge to repent, to come back to a love that gives its own life, a return to charity. But let's get back to that Valentine's Day card. The reason why it begins to wither in the face of St. Paul's fuller meaning is because unlike the well-meaning message of that card, our loves do, in fact, end. Humanity is notoriously impermanent in its loves. Many loves end through human error, selfishness, negligence. Friendships can be betrayed, romances forsaken. Even the more durable relationships, some things like kinship and spouses, assuming they persevere, they come to a very real ending when we inevitably come to the hour of our death. Our loves are frail because we are frail. We're mortal. Scripture says we're a breath, that is, something that arises and then is gone. Valentine's Day, in its cultural observance, is ironic in this way. It's marked by a celebration of human love, but comes always with a sense of dysphoria in the eventual realization that love opens us up to loss, the risk of being hurt, the memory of loves unrealized or long since past. <coughs> so we have to ask again, what are we to do with a day that's marked by that kind of contradiction? I think it's why it's fitting in some ways to have Ash Wednesday on the same day. We remember that we're dust, and to dust we'll return. We are dying members of a dying world. But into this world comes Christ the permanent, Christ the incarnate love of God. Since Christmas, we have celebrated his coming, spent epiphany reflecting upon his glory, but that meditation has slowly revealed that Christ has come with a task in hand. The Lord of life has a mission in the world of death. Our festivity has led us to this startling shift as we realize, indeed, that, quote, all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man are about to be accomplished. 
he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and shall be spitefully treated, and spitted on, and they shall scourge him and put him to death. Lent is the school of love, patterned after the love of Christ. Lent is at first obedience, to follow Christ on his journey to the cross, because we need him to teach us how to bear our cross. Lent is second, a dying to ourselves through fasting and service to others. We learn in this day by day the limits and frailty of our loves left to themselves and of our consequent need for the love of God. We come to the end of ourselves along the way and only there are we ready to receive life at the hand of God. That our loves and our very selves are revived by receiving God's gift of charity into all corners of our lives. Only then we are made able to bear a love that gives its life because we receive that life in abundance. The road to Jerusalem ahead makes clear that while our loves unattended do end, charity does not end. Charity does not fail. Christ is the only one who can conclusively and with finality claim our love will never end. He bids us to come now in the school of love that is the way of the cross. We leave behind our own notions of what love is in order to learn from the master of love who has loved and does love always. Our loves as they are must die along the way. But on the third day, Christ will raise them to new life in his charity. Though we go up now to die with him, having died, we will awake to find new life in the love of God to us and in us. And so, by the so-called day of love, if we submit it to the ashes of Wednesday, it will become for us the day on which we will begin to know a love that has no end. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.